0: I find making the claim, often that's the possibly the most complicated, most tricky area uh, for the applicant. And time is one of the critical issues there. And what I mean by time is you know what date you're supposed to submit your claim by. Well, you want to give yourself, and you want to give your agent, if you're going through an agent, you want to give them plenty of time uh, to make sure that everything is right.
1: Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch, and welcome to ObiCast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode, we bring you less insights, advice, and technical updates for the sheep industry. We're joined in this week's episode by Chalkers' advisor, Edward Egan, to talk to us about the sheep handling equipment that's available under TAMS 3, the Farm Safety Capital Investment Scheme. Edward discusses the grant rates that are available and how they are calculated, goes through the fixed and mobile equipment that are covered under the scheme. He takes us through the application process, highlighting some of the key dates and information required on submission, and explains how he would check if the application has been approved. We finish up the discussion, going through how applicants can make their claim and what information is required to complete the process. We start off, however, with Edward explaining what the TAMS Tree Farm Safety Capital Investment Scheme is.
0: TAMS is the Targeted Agricultural Modernisation Scheme, and it covers about, there's actually about 10 sub-schemes under that. And one of those schemes under that is the Farm Safety Capital Investment Scheme, or FSCIS scheme, uh, which those schemes started in February 2023, uh, and they're to run till 2025.
1: I suppose maybe if we keep this episode looking at more of the handling equipment that's involved, that would really fall under the Farm Safety Capital Investment Scheme. You might tell us what that actually is.
0: Well, I suppose just I suppose from the outset, Kieran, what's important to point out is, you know, in a podcast, it's not possible to cover all the different aspects of, of the Farm uh, Safety Capital Investment Scheme. So what's important for the listeners to do if they, if they do want to apply for it is to go back and read the terms and conditions for the scheme. Uh look at this, be aware of the specifications, what's required there. And if you do make an application, what's important there is that you will get a correspondent from the department outlining what you've been approved uh, for and what the requirements are in terms of uh, certification and invoicing and things like that. And it's very important that you read all of that material because that material does change um, over time. It's constantly being reviewed. Um, look what's involved in the the, the farm safety capital investment scheme so what they've done in this scheme is they've taken a lot of the stuff that used to be under previous time schemes um, in relation to farm safety they've put it into one scheme which is the farm safety scheme and if you look at the farm safety scheme there's actually about 70 different items um, that you can get grant aid on uh, you know they involve uh, cattle sheep um, other areas but in broad terms, it's happening there. There's about 14 or there's about 14 items there that relate directly to sheep in terms of farm safety. So look, a lot of it is handling equipment. Um, how does the scheme work? Well, look, it's an incentive uh, for farms to invest in, in, in farm safety equipment. Uh, the maximum ceiling for TAMS 3 uh, is 90,000. Uh, now, there are two schemes that operate separately to that. That's the less and the solar panel scheme. They have a separate ceiling, but typically the, the, the ceiling there is, is, is 90,000. Uh, the grant rate is sixty percent, and if you're in a registered farm partnership um, with two uh, two uh, people in it or two hair members in it or more, then that ceiling then is one hundred and sixty thousand.
1: So that's the maximum. or the minimum
0: spend in that scheme? Yeah, look, it's just important to be aware of that when you're making an application. Uh, the minimum amount that you have to apply for is two thousand euros. So that's the minimum that has to be on the application.
1: So you said it's covered up to six percent Just take me through that a little bit. How is that grant calculated?
0: Look, what the department do is they look at three different figures. Uh, First of all, they look at their own reference cost. Okay, so that's what the department have uh, as a reference cost. Um, And then they look at the amount that you actually pay based on the invoice. And then they look at the proposed costs that you put on your application uh, when you're making. So those three costs, they pay on the lower of those three costs. If you take, for example, Portable Sheep Handling Race, the department's reference cost for that is 1,064 euros and 97 cent. If the amount that you paid for it in reality is 1,200, and if your proposed cost is the same as the department's reference cost, what the department are doing is they're they're paying on the lower of those three costs. So they're giving you 60% of the 1,064 euros and 97 cent. And that's the way it's operating. That's an important one to factor in when you're
1: budgeting for any of these investments.
0: Look, it is. And, and look, my advice to my own clients uh, before they make an application is go away themselves and get a price on the item that they want to claim the grant on. And then when they come to make the application, they can see where the actual price is in relation to the the department's reference cost, because uh, the department will pay on the lower of those three prices. And it's just important to be aware of that at the beginning of the process. No, a necessary bit of homework beforehand. Look, just in terms of the scheme itself, what all does it cover? What items are included in it? Um, look, just I suppose to give examples there of the sheep items there. Look, mobile sheep handling equipment. So, portable sheep handling race uh, with wheels, and it says including um, foot bat. Uh, and then you've got a portable basic sheep handling race, uh, sheep waist scales, sheep rollover crate, mobile sheep batch foot bat, uh, sheep adoption unit front gate, sheep adoption unit front with penning, and then mobile sheep penning with a maximum of 75 linear meters on your application. And then it covers fixed sheep handling equipment as well. So, you've And under that heading comes uh, sheep weigh scales, uh, sheep rollover crate, fixed sheep handling unit, and fixed sheep handling unit with a dip tub. And then it also covers electronic uh, tag readers um, as as well. But I would say the important thing to do there is uh, look at the terms and conditions for the farm safety scheme. At the back of it, you will see the items there that are covered by the grant. It's very important to, you know, be aware of the fact that all the equipment that you buy, it it must be new equipment. And then you'll also see some some of them require planning permission, okay? And, you know, that's made clear on on, on the actual uh, terms and conditions what requires planning permission.
1: So in some of them cases, Edward, there could be multiple things like the mobile race plus maybe uh, weighing scales as well. There could be more than one item on that list. That all could be built into the application. Absolutely. I mean, yes,
0: you, you can apply for, um, you know, and, and, and numerous items you'll see when you go in on the application, um that you know that I was listed. Yeah, you can apply for numerous items on an application, you can apply for more than one item.
1: And just on the planning permission, but that of course doesn't play for the mobile equipment, but for some of the fixed equipment, it will apply,
0: right? What's important there is look at the uh, uh, terms and conditions for the farm safety scheme. But what does require planning is a fixed sheep handling unit, um, and then listed separately to that is a fixed sheep handling unit with uh, a dip tank that also needs planning. Okay.
1: So that probably tees up the next one. Like that's something that will come up when you're looking or you put in your application for it. you might just take me through that application process.
0: What all's included in it? Right. So what happens with the application process? You can either make the application yourself on your own AgFood account. If you don't have an AgFood account, then what you do is go into AgFood, set it up if you want um through AgFood, and then you can make the application as an individual. The alternative is that you get your agent or your advisor to make the application for you. Okay. If planning permission is required, then the full and final planning permission decision, that must be submitted with your uh, application. So it must be submitted at the app- at the application stage, along with uh, the drawings uh, that have been stamped by the uh, County Council. That's very important. Now, again, look, if you want the full detail of that, look at the terms and conditions. It's, it's outlined in that.
1: But it's important to note there, Edward, like some of these things will take a little bit of time to happen. So the earlier you kick or get this process on the way, the easier it might be it's not something you want to do in a rush
0: um look it's not and and look if you're going to make an application and obviously if you require planning permission then you have to go away you know it's going to take you uh, three or four months to get planning permission between getting drawings done getting your application in getting your application approved we say for planning permission you know you have to have that ready uh, finalized to submit with your application for for the farm safety scheme
1: assuming the, process, the application was in how do you know that you've got approval?
0: So what happens there is the department will send you a correspondent, um, uh, they'll send you a letter outlining uh, that you have been approved. And I suppose, look, there's some key information on that. And the key information on that is, number one, it tells you the date from which you are approved. That's the date after which you can uh, do that work. Right. The second thing it will tell you is it'll outline exactly what you're approved for and it'll give you uh, uh, the amount of money that you're approved for. It'll also outline, which is very important, the date by which you must make your claim. So the date by which you must uh, complete your work and make your claim. And then the other thing it will do as well is it'll outline some of the, the the I suppose, the documentation that you have to submit with your um, with your claim.
1: Okay, so there's three important names. The two dates in particular, the start date is a very vital one to not start before you actually get approval for it. And then the date for
0: the paperwork is the other key date for that. Absolutely, yes. And the other thing just to be aware of, especially if an individual is applying for a number of different schemes under TAMs, that, you know, just keep an eye on when schemes, when, when your approvals are starting and finishing for the different TAM schemes because they may not always be the same. Um, and it's just important not, not to get confused on that.
1: Finally, I like we've gone through the whole process. I suppose this comes to the end point of it and perhaps the most important point for those applying for these. How do you actually go about making the claim for payment
0: on the terms? I find making the claim often that's the possibly the most complicated, most tricky area uh, for the applicant. And time is one of the critical issues there. And what I mean by time is, you know what date you're supposed to submit your claim by. Well, you want to give yourself And you want to give your agent, if you're going through an agent, you want to give them plenty of time uh, to make sure that everything is right. Okay, so to make a claim, you either do it through your own individual AgFood account or you do it through the agent's AgFood account. Now, before you even make your claim, what the applicant has to do is they have to get a copy of their e-tax cert. And that has to be emailed to the Department of Agriculture. And when they get that, they then go in and they check that uh, that it's up to date, that everything is okay with that. And then they allow you to set up your claim or they allow the advisors to set up the claim on ag food. And at that point, then, you can start to make your claim. Now, when you're making your claim, I suppose one of the questions I'd always be asking myself or asking the applicant, is the equipment fixed that you're uh, claiming for? And if the equipment is fixed, then you're going to need to submit either one of two things. One is if, if the land is owned by the applicant, then you need to submit a folio and you need to submit a folio map with the claim. Those need to be up to date. And they need to have the applicant's name on it. Often I'd find that maybe the partner's name is on it, but the applicant's name is not on it, and that can create uh, an issue. And it's important just to establish that early on. If the land that you're putting your fixed equipment on is not owned, then it must be leased. And the lease, the lease is important. So if you actually look at the terms and conditions, if you look at page 31, it outlines in detail what is required uh, for the lease. But I suppose in basic terms, what's required uh, for the lease, it must be at least five years from the time that the department are going to pay out the claim. Okay, so it must be at least five years uh, left to run out from the time the department are going to pay out the claim. And when you submit your lease, they want a copy of the actual written document and they want a map outlining exactly what land is leased. OK, the next thing then that you'll have is you'll have your receipts and your receipts. They must have the applicant's name and address on it as they appear on the approval letter. OK, so sometimes, you know, someone might, you know, on the approval letter, the name might be Anthony on the um, on the invoice. You can't have a different name to that. You, you shouldn't have Tony on it or something like that. You should have the actual name as it appears um, on the approval letter. The other thing about the receipts, they must have an invoice number. They must have a VAT number. They must have a description of the item. Sometimes dimensions are required. Okay. So you need to check that out. And then um, uh, you, you must, they, it, they must show the amount that is paid before and after that. Okay. If you're not submitting receipts, if you're submitting invoices, you need the same information that you have in receipts, except that you need to have the invoice marked as paid. All right. Now, something that's very different to what happened before for the new TAM scheme, that's TAMs 3. Any item that you're claiming uh, as as part of your investment, you must take a geotag photo of that through AgriSnap, which is an app supplied by the department, and you must submit that to the department uh, for every item, all right? Uh, The other thing that you must submit is a copy of your safety course cert, and that must have been done within five years of making your claim for payment. Alternatively, you must have completed the feedback level six, new award, advanced cert in agriculture. The other thing is, if you're getting a contractor in to do work for you, that contractor they must be tax compliant, and you must uh, provide proof of of that tax compliance when you're making your claim. So an e uh, tax cert must be provided for that. The other thing then is, and we just said it earlier, Kieran. Look, there should be no cash payments for anything. All right, that's very important. There should be no cash payments for anything. Now, look, that's a summary, Kieran, of how you make your claim, and for more details. go back to the specification, go back to your approval letter, go back to the terms
1: and conditions, okay? Okay, so I think what I might do is i pull up a link to the time section on the department website where you will get an access to terms and conditions, and as you indicated there, it's important you go through that beforehand. There is a bit of work, Edward, in just processing the payment or processing the paperwork in it, so you need to keep them records and you need to just make sure you give yourself adequate time to go through that as
0: well. Absolutely. And, and to me, look, reading, um, reading into what is required, that is number one. And number two, look, time is important. And if you just give an example there, if someone realizes that, you know, coming up to the claim uh, date, that they don't have the safety course done or the safety course that they have done is out of date, you need to give yourself enough time to go away and find some place where you, where you can do that safety course and get your certificate so that you have it for, the, for, for, for making the claim on time.
1: Edward, look, it was a good summary of the process. Appreciate your time for coming on today with me. Karen, thank you. we leave it there for this week's episode. Certainly something to consider for anyone that's investing in handling equipment or upgrading their existing handling equipment. I have included a link in the show notes to the Department of page on the Farm Safety Capital Investment Scheme. We'll find the background to the scheme and the terms and conditions Edward referred to. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for updates on the sheep program, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chuck Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us for more episodes.